This is Magnolia Leadership Podcast, heart, soul, and earth aligned. I'm Katherine Miller, a holistic practitioner of 30 years and your host. Join me as we discuss what it means to lead from the sacred feminine. Magnolia Leadership is here to guide you home, remind you of your courage, awaken your deepest knowing, revealing your fullest expression, and supporting your beautiful blossoming. Welcome in. In this episode, I'm speaking with Susanna Spisha, a creative, fun-loving human and a social impact entrepreneur in recovery since leaving her nonprofit. And oh boy, do we really get into some juicy topics. Things get pretty vulnerable, y'all. We chat about the tension of protecting heart-centered work and how external pressures can creep in and change the mission and people. Taking substances to keep up with heavy workloads. We talk about soul retrieval and the importance of revisiting initiatory life moments to reclaim our sacred feminine power and being ghosted on dating apps. Woof. Let's get started. As you come into this space of sacred feminine leadership, if there are any images or thoughts or impulses, that are arising. Well, impulse is always. <laughs> I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> um, candy sounds good right now, but no candy in this house. Okay. Images. Yeah. So I feel like I have constant images going through my mind. How about just right now, as we step into this feminine container mm. to discuss how we are co-creating together mm. and to understand more about your path as a leader. Yeah. So um, an image that just came to my mind is that emoji where it's two hands shaking mm. <laughs> and it, people profound. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that emoji because it's so official that you make it not official by using it. That's good. I think it's goofy mm. and I like goofy images. Okay. Yeah. Goofy images. It's fun. Mm -hmm. sounds good that's all I got you got one you got one I for some reason have the um image of a sacred warrior with a with a Mm. a sword Mm. and armor and so I'm wondering you know if we might be discussing what it means to be a sacred warrior on behalf of the I love that I Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. let's do that so let's talk about different ways that you may have been that in your Mm. in your path I feel like mm. I I have a gift of communication and I I get frustrated if people don't understand me. So that gives me a, a reason to keep figuring out how to communicate mm. better. Mm. And I get very um, um, expressive on behalf of people sometimes, which has gotten me in trouble. But I love being able to understand what people are experiencing and feeling and then help amplify it within them. Mm-hmm. And so kind of mirroring it back. And so as far as being a warrior in that, the way I see myself being warrior and it's shown up in all kinds of ways, but it's more so through imagination. It's like, yeah, let's go in here. 
like, mm. okay, this is really heavy or this is, seems like potentially really fun. Like, let's just go in and explore. Okay. So let's talk about some practical ways that happens in your work where you're amplifying communication, mm-hmm. right? That's what you're saying. That's where your warriorship comes in. And I think yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. And also willing to be in the imaginary space in a, yeah, in an empowered way. Yeah. Mm. Juicy. Yeah. It feels really about curiosity and also this confidence of like, yeah, we're allowed to do this. And then just kind of helping people recognize like, yeah, we can keep going. Like we don't have to stay at this low spot <laughs> right now. Like let's keep going in. Let's keep going inward and mm-hmm. sensing our way around. And a lot of times and I do this with you, but I got to move my body around. I'm not good at sitting still. I'm not good at just sitting and typing something or just speaking directly to the computer and not moving. Mm-hmm. Like I have to show it and feel it because I feel it everywhere. Well, and isn't that part of your roots and your heritage, Yeah, right? The Italian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fully expressed. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we're allowed for a reason, I think. So you're using the allowed word I'm noticing. So give me the counterbalance to that. What are you correcting when you say we are allowed? Feels Um, like you're, I was saying we're loud. Oh, I thought you said we're we're allowed. allowed. Yeah. Earlier. Oh, okay. So I'm hearing, I heard you say we're allowed to do this. Mm go into the imaginal space, mm-hmm, yeah. right? We're allowed to do this mm-hmm. as opposed to what? Um, as opposed to, I, I think it's just putting up boundaries too early based on mm. socially what people think we're like, how far we can go. It's like, why did we just stop here? Like, what's the reason why we just stopped in this conversation and it's not going any farther? Like, mm. is it because of social pressure? Is it because this is like, how women are supposed to behave or something. It's like, or, or that if we keep talking, we're taking up too much space or if people are listening in on our conversation, then we don't want to appear too chaotic or unstructured. Mm, Heavens no. Heavens no. That would not be ladylike. No, but I have been accused of all of those things (laughs) many a time. Interesting. And that's, but that's also part of, I think my nature is to destroy Mm, say more about that let's talk about the feminine sacred as a destroyer Mm. scorpio archetype yeah Mm -hmm. um or um what's is it what is it in um oh i've heard mia you know mia the artist Mm -hmm. she talks about this she says that she has the what is it not kali oh kali yeah Mm -hmm. um give kali like she talks about her destroyer energy mm-hmm. and that she's, she's like people, you know, she gets a lot of credit for what she does, but she's really the artist behind the artist because she'll say that artists will take what she does after she breaks through and mm-hmm. shows we can keep going and then they'll take it and then they'll package it in a system that she doesn't, she's not going to stick around for. Mm. And I definitely related to that in a very different way. Like I'm no MIA in that sense, but I, I, I always call myself a weed whacker and I had a mentor, Tammy Lopez. And she always said that too. She was like, Susanna, you and I are weed whackers. We go into the place where there's no path and we whack it all up. And then people come and lay paths and then they forget about you. You know what my friend called me? Hmm. A bug zapper. Interesting. Because people would get close to the fire and it'd be like, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. These analogies around holding power. 
Yeah. And what people are comfortable with and not comfortable with. Because mm. I think the the side of the feminine as the destroyer, the one that aligns more with death, who is literally composting the things that don't work. Yeah. People are really uncomfortable with. Yeah. But it's so needed. It is. It's so needed. Do you, do you ever feel like for you, it's just, it's so comfortable that you don't even it's almost fun in some way. Oh, yeah. And I'm, then you don't realize that other people don't find it fun. And then you're kind of in it and you're, I don't know, just like you're so in it. And then people are not necessarily able to adapt. I find as you're composting. People want it. Hmm. I think they want it. I think our Western culture doesn't align with death at all. Right. We don't have a lot of ritual around it. We don't have a lot of ritual around grief. We don't have a lot of ritual around loss. So I find that people are really wanting that actually. But um, because I do live in that space all the time, that's what transformation is, right? We have to go into shadow. We have to descend in order to come up. Mm-hmm. And so I think once people realize there's a path through, there's going to be a low point and then we're going to start to build ourselves back up. They're a lot more willing to align with the process. So I think it's about showing it as a whole process mm. rather than we're mm. just destroying. Yeah. When there's you, intention behind exactly, it. Exactly. Right. It's not just, we're not just destroying for the sake of destroying. Yeah. And I think that's where it gets misunderstood. Yeah, I agree. That's what yeah. I was going to, that's what I meant by this is I, I have people do sometimes just get frustrated with me thinking that I'm just, oh, you just are anti the system or you're trying to just do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. Like, no, if I don't see the reason or the value in it, then I'm, I'm going to probably just naturally question it and then find other pathways like around or through it, or maybe we can flip it around or look at the in-between spaces that maybe other people aren't looking at necessarily. Okay. So that's a really interesting perspective. And um, I think we should talk a little bit about your experience with that. And also just name that, that some of us have incarnated to do that. Mm. Like we are literally here to see things differently Mm. and that's our gift. Mm -hmm. Right. And also it makes us not belong. Mm -hmm. And so those things are really in contrast to one another, because of course we want to honor our gifts and step in But in order to survive as a species, we need to fit in and belong. And so I think like really holding that experience that there are some of us who aren't supposed to fit in. Hmm. And accepting that. Accepting that and finding the other other misfits or the people Mm -hmm. who see differently. And like, you're not a rule follower. I am not either. Not because I don't want to follow rules that matter, but I'm not going to follow arbitrary rules. I'm going to follow the rule of love, the rule of the heart, the rule of compassion, the rule of healing, all of that I will follow. Mm -hmm. But if you give me some arbitrary rule, I'm not going to follow it if it doesn't make sense to me. Right. And because I'm like seeing differently Mm -hmm. and so are you, you're sensing more. And it feels so much better when you find another person who's like, Oh, I see things differently Mm -hmm. too. So tell us a little bit about your journey as a person who's able to see, it sounds like places that are incongruent. Yeah. Well, part, part of what I, and I know you're like this too, part of what I sense and see (laughs) with people is that it's not just what I see. It's what I sense in almost every human being is just like, so infinite potential for anything. Mm -hmm. And so unlimited. Yeah. Unlimited. So when you get, when you see someone spark Mm -hmm. or they start to like open up a door, Mm -hmm. I get really excited Mm -hmm. 
And then I'm like, what's, you know, I just like, I want to dig into it. Mm-hmm. And then the curiosity keeps me going. And for sometimes, sometimes people misinterpret that, or I have to like recognize I need to back off a little bit. Right. Skillful means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of learning and adjusting, but like I, I started a nonprofit in 2014, not on a whim at all. I had been planning to create some sort of art nonprofit for kids. Cause I've been working with kids for like six years before that. And I had an after school program at my college and I ran that with a bunch of volunteers. There was not a lot of organization to it, but there was a lot of love. And what was the heart in that? What, what made you want to do that? The heart was just giving another outlet to kids mm-hmm. in that community in Milledgeville, Georgia, where mm-hmm. I went to school. And, and what community was that? Um, it was, it was a housing projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my friends and I just went door to door and we just started meeting people and we're like, Hey kids, you want to come outside and play? And then that evolved into building relationships with the moms and then with the kids. And then it was like, Oh, let's do sleepovers. Let's do, you know, Valentine's day parties and Christmas parties. And, and then we did after school support, which I'm a terrible tutor, you know, and I learned all these things. I was like, I'm not really good at like doing a lot of this, but I built great relationships with the kids. Mm. And that's what heals. Yeah. And then that's yeah. what mattered. That's what matters. And there it was cool because there was no adult <laughs> oversight at the time, which um when I started a nonprofit years later, I now I call everyone an adult who's very official, even mm-hmm. though because I'm, I'm not gonna be official, I'm not an adult. But what you're describing though in that original project is very organic. And that is the way of the sacred feminine, like yeah. being in the need, being open, responding, mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. what's next and moving through that way. And there were no right. labels. There were you no know. labels on it. Mm-hmm. I never had to, you know, draft up a grant um, submission and like, here's exactly what we do mm-hmm. and how many kids we work with. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how many kids are going to show up. It mm-hmm. was like, whoever can show up. Sometimes it was two and sometimes it was 30 kids mm-hmm. and we just accommodated and we would have too many volunteers or too little. So it was all learning. Um, and I, when I first came into that really brought a Christian perspective of like, Oh, we're going to teach kids about the Bible and mm-hmm. Christianity. But and what did that really mean for you? Yeah. Like and behind that, what is it about for you? All it meant for me back then, and it's evolved so much since then, was just loving on the kids. That was yeah, it. Bringing love. Just love and just love. And was that like you showing up as love or were you actually teaching love? What did that look like? I mean, we were doing both, <laughs> but mostly just spending time to get to know the kids and were the kids responsive yeah 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 they actually give us a success story well okay I'll tell you that one of the like the greatest things that happened to me that was so encouraging and I needed the encouragement at the time last year so these kids and like are old they're in their early 20s and stuff now they messaged me a bunch of them messaged me around the same time and they're like we we just like want to tell you how much mm-hmm. it meant that you were in our mm-hmm. lives when we were little and they were like dogpiling on the message like yeah we so really sweet. appreciate I was just like oh mm-hmm. I'm a wreck and that's everything yeah and I it was is, right and I I thought though like right after that whole time when I left school and I stopped running the program which I had a lot of guilt about wasn't even really a program but I I felt like I had messed things up because I was proselytizing in the mix of it. Mm. But I think that 
no matter what the kids obviously were left with love. Like that was their greatest impression. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I lost my temper a so lot is of times. that you doing your sacred work? That's yeah. What it sounds like. Yeah. So you were doing it then. Yeah. And that felt aligned with what you knew and, and your way of understanding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So take us through the trajectory of how, how you've lived with that, that thread. Yeah. Well, I just continued with children. Mm-hmm. So I started a nonprofit in 2014. So after that, well, first I went into a sales job, two sales jobs. I worked in construction and stuff and I helped, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I was selling like Side safety tools to like <laughs> nuclear plants and doing like safety meetings and stuff. Okay. And I would tell everybody like, Hey, when you guys buy, when you buy stuff from through me, this is actually helping support my future nonprofit for mm-hmm. kids. And mm-hmm. people did, they, I know that I got more sales because of it because <laughs> I was so mission aligned. So good. Right. And it kept me really motivated. Okay. So we're talking about aligned leadership and there it yeah. is. You can do it no matter where you are, even yeah. if you're selling power tools. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having a bunch of, of the workers, men and women support the nonprofit when I started it. Hmm. So even after you know, they had just been supporting through buying the company tools, whatever, then they moved over to the nonprofit and they were like following the trajectory of it. And that was Kid Opal? No. So that was, that was reimagine ATL. So that, okay. So I didn't even know what it was when I was doing sales, which is like, I'm going to start this nonprofit. I'm trying to save up a hundred thousand dollars, which I didn't even get close to. Um, but I was like, every time you, you buy, you're helping me like contribute towards this imaginary fund. And they're like, yeah, like, I think people just, wanted to get behind something that helped people. Sure. Um, That's how we make ourselves happy. Yeah. Serving others. Right? Yeah. Giving. Mm-hmm. And then okay. also like, you know, thanking them, like the whole journey mm-hmm. was, that's what got me through it. Cause there was a lot of harassment and stuff that I deal with. And it was a rough schedule. Um, and so the, I mean, that kept me grounded through it. And then when I started the nonprofit, it literally there was a day I was having, I had an interview with this guy and cause I was like, I didn't reach my hundred thousand dollar goal yet to start this nonprofit, which I didn't know anything about nonprofits, but I was like, I don't want to come in here totally broke, mm-hmm. you know? Cause I knew you had to ask for money. So I was like trying to just put in my initial money to take care of myself. And, um, I was sitting with this guy and he, he looked at me, I was interviewing for like a marketing something. And he was like, Susanna, what do you really want to do? And I was like, well, what I really want to do is help kids. Like I want to start this program, an art program, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. And he was like, I don't get it. He's like, you should just do it. Mm-hmm. And something great guidance, broke, right? It broke Those are moments me. that change our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of like put him up on a pedestal after that. And that he was an advisor to me, but he wasn't a very good advisor. Well, however the message gets through is how yeah, the message gets totally. through, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of less like <clears throat> anyone who helped me, I just kind of gave them a role, but I think I gave people almost too much power. Mm-hmm. And then I had to manage like a gazillion relationships because I felt like I was, that's how this began, like getting out of control. Everyone who helped me, it felt like they were helping me personally Mm-hmm. instead of the cause and the mission. So then it was like, I had to get a responsibility. Them. Yeah. Like personally, I okay, have to we'll make talk about credit. programming. There's a little programming, yeah, right? Totally. Right. That was exhausting. Right. And that really burned me out. And the, the nonprofit was all about um, protecting kids' imaginations. Mm-hmm. And it was about bringing kids together in Atlanta from across the city that had 
um, who just wanted to create content together and storytell. So I wanted rich kids in Atlanta to be in the same program as foster care and homeless kids. And the idea was that nobody was the other. Mm. And so like, you know, rich white moms would come to me and be like, oh, um, I want my son to volunteer. He's in high school. I'm like, he can be in the program. Mm. Like that was the point. Mm -hmm. But what happened over time, and there was a lot of really beautiful things that happened with our staff because they are the ones who really held it down. Mm. Cause I had to go out there and try to find money. And I also couldn't stop coming up with ideas for it. And that became a burden over time to the, to the staff. Um, but something that really seeped in was what they would call mission drift now. Um, but what it was, was I would go out and meet with these funders and we were really heavily supported by corporations and family foundations and their missions of what they wanted to get from, mm-hmm. from the nonprofit started to change. So it went from, we're holding space for kids to imagine, it's called mm-hmm. reimagine ATL, reimagine our city through, and they're using film to express this and they're telling stories to a workforce development program. Okay. So I want to pause because this feels really important as we're talking about you as a sacred feminine leader holding your power and then having to do these exchanges for resources and how that is a problem, Mm -hmm. right? How do we hold these sacred, this is a heart centered organization, right? And function in this world Mm -hmm. of funding and working with, Mm -hmm. do you have any ideas coming out of that? Yeah. Um, I would say I was pretty naive to, so we need to help other women who have these ideas, Mm -hmm. you know, people for a long time, like while I was running the nonprofit, because we were very successful. It grew, Mm -hmm. it grew, it it scaled, we scaled, Mm -hmm. but that didn't actually help the kids. It Mm -hmm. didn't help the heart. It, we just got Mm -hmm. bigger numbers and we had to start talking about our numbers. When did you start to feel misaligned? Um, well, pretty early on because I was never home. I started, I I mean, I was constantly getting on everyone else's terms. So I would reach out to someone and be like, Hey, can I talk to you about reimagine? Here's what we do. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. And so I was spending a gazillion dollars paying for parking everywhere, always losing my car (laughs) in every parking deck in Atlanta. I have like PTSD when I go in parking lots now, I'm like, Oh, so oh. you were moving to the other. This yeah. is so interesting because yeah. in an earlier podcast, uh, we talked about codependency and how it shows up in work mm. where we're constantly moving towards the other to prove our value and to create value, which is mm. what you're kind of what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you started to feel that you were losing yourself. Yeah. And what happened to your body and your uh, it, soul and your mind? Well, I stopped getting as inspired. Yeah. creativity really takes a hit. And when I wasn't as inspired, um, I started getting anxiety. The anxiety got pretty out of control. I went on Vyvanse and Adderall and Adderall, two amphetamines Hmm. to try to keep up with the workload I had created. That was really, I was able to keep up because I was so excited about what we were doing and like, you mean originally? Yeah. Originally. And then once you started getting taxed, you Mm -hmm. needed something to help. This is a story I'm hearing from a a lot of successful young women. Really? Yes. In my practice right now, 
I have a handful of young women who are trying to get off Adderall mm, because they've really used hard. it to go through these, you know, Ivy League schools and then mm-hmm. show up and like work, at, you know, the top level yep. corporations and their and, bodies are failing now. And, and they, you get into it and you realize everyone else is on it. Mm-hmm. And that keeps the workload for everyone high. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was on it. So my staff, I had 11 people on my staff. They were all having to keep up with me and mm-hmm. how much I was generating. So I was creating an incredible amount of stress on them too, by not slowing down myself. And then I started having heart palpitations. So it was actually really scary. This is a really vulnerable conversation. I really appreciate you sharing this because I've, I've really been trying to understand this because Mm -hmm. I see these brilliant young women who are successful without anything. They just, they just are. And they're really in order to be in the system that says you have to work really hard to be successful and make money and even bring your mission, they are willing to do things that harm themselves and harm their relationships and harm their bodies. Mm -hmm. And so it's not sustainable. No, it's just not. No. And on top of that, Mm -hmm. for me, I became very mission oriented around like racial just in the injustice that was happening in Atlanta mm-hmm. and I got in a fellowship and it was Sarah Blakely who started Spanx mm-hmm. I was in her fe- two of her fellowships for female entrepreneurs and I was one of the only white women in the group and so that experience of I didn't do as much listening as I thought I did at the time um but <laughs> that experience of hearing a lot of stories from women of color and the amount of barriers they were going through and then I became more aware that I had way more access And then that became this like burden. I felt like I needed to create more space for people to come up, which I don't think my tactics were very good after Mm -hmm. years of, it's been four years now I'm reflecting and Mm -hmm. getting feedback from people. But, um, I felt that I felt like, okay, I have this access. I have all these connections now and yeah, I built them, but I created these, you know, connections to Netflix, to um, Coca-Cola, all these MailChimp, all these companies. And now I need to also make the mm-hmm. connections. Mm-hmm. And so my work, when I actually looked at how I was working 80 to hundred hour work weeks mm-hmm. for close to five years, and it was completely unsustainable. Yeah. And probably I was almost, having, probably almost died. Yeah. That's what and I had me. women yeah. tell me older women were mm-hmm. like, you're going to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. If, and I was like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no, no. You total denial. So tell me how you woke up from that story that you physically, I physically couldn't do it anymore. Did you have an illness manifest or Mm -hmm. a break or? Well, okay. So what happened, I was actually running a gala for a nonprofit. It was so stressful. I wasn't getting any sleep. Neither was my staff. And it was in August of 2018. And I remember I went up on stage and I was like in between emceeing and speaking and I was blacked out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I realized I was completely, I was so overwhelmed by anxiety and I was so good at public speaking at that point. I was just like, hi, I, I didn't even realize mm-hmm. it was completely checked out. And then I would go behind backstage and just sob uncontrollably. And mm-hmm. my boyfriend came back there and he was like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I couldn't function mm-hmm. and I had never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. And so when I I decided after that night, I was going to have to leave. And so I, instead of making a plan for myself, I just tried to transition the nonprofit 
over the, like through the end of the year. So I spent the, you know, the remainder of the year from August till the end helping prep to do that. Mm -hmm. And even my board and they've, we've had conversations since, but they didn't even think to check in on me Mm -hmm. and like, what's your plan? Like, how are you, what's your financial plan? I had no money saved. I had like a $55,000 salary at the time, which I, you know, was raising all this money Mm -hmm. to keep everyone paid. Right. And all I could think about was just Mm -hmm. people's paychecks, Mm -hmm. not even about the kids anymore. No, I always, which is the martyr, the martyr. Mm. And then when I left, not only did my insurance run out, I had no money saved um, and I had no plan for a job. And then I went off, I had to go off the amphetamines and I crashed for over a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was incredibly humbling. Like I, my first job back into trying to get off the couch, what, and I had never seen myself like this. I couldn't even believe I was that depressed was um, walking dogs. No, that was, a good, that, was a good, that was a good plan though. Right. Yeah. But you know, what was crazy is I was, <clears throat> I ended up in this house. It was like an app and I was in a house walking a dog for one of the people that supported my nonprofit and she didn't that even know me. Yeah. So I just want to say, I know so many women that have this story. This is not a you problem, right? This is not a you problem. This is a systemic problem where we as women try to fit. I mean, I have my own version, right. In corporate, mm-hmm. um, and almost died and then woke up and said, never again, and I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to fix this. And this is women should be flourishing and thriving and their genius should be centered. And we need to find new ways of working, which is really how I ended up going back to school and studying organizational psychology, which is to try to create wellness within these systems. Right. Mm-hmm. But so many women, I'd say almost everyone who is ambitious and wants to make an impact has tried to do it in the ways they are taught. And there's a moment of waking up and realizing I'm going to die if I do this. Mm -hmm. And then having to go out of the system, heal, and then find new paradigm, new ways forward. And there's, you know, that's what part of my vision is to like, for us to all start to talk about that and to have us connect in this place where we're creating something different, Mm. right? There's an alternative to that. Mm-hmm. where we can do what we love and we can be mission driven and we can make an impact and we can make money and we can be healthy and we can be sacred and we mm-hmm. can be loving and we can be supportive of one another in this like sisterhood. And of course, you know, that doesn't exclude men. Right? They're a part of that too, because when we come into balance, the whole thing comes into balance. Mm-hmm. So just your story is important as an individual story and as a, a through line for what women are going through. Yeah. Because right. I think like, and men, a, a, and men, yeah, and, and men, and men. I think it's just people who are aware of mm-hmm. if you, if you're aware of injustice, it's hard. It's it's not, you don't just go into a job and just do your job. Like if right. you see someone's excluded or <laughs> right. needs a promotion or, and it's like, well, I want to, like, I have an opportunity to say something I will, but then it's like there, if you don't see other people doing that, and probably because they know better because they know it's not going to go anywhere, but for well, or me, they're more rule followers. Yeah. Or they're rule <laughs> followers, but it was just, I feel like I had so many battles all the time to pick. It was like, like I, after that, I worked as a creative producer at Coke and Vox and different companies where I saw the same, it was the same thing in corporate. I was just no longer in a nonprofit, but I, I was experiencing the same sort of system mm-hmm. drain. Um, 
And there was also just so much, like nothing flowed. <laughs> like being, I was hired to be a creative producer, but there was no space for me to be creative. It was like, mm. we need you to pump this out now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I have to go on a skip to get, you know, I need to like move my body to like get creative and like, you have to sit on a computer. I'm like, oh. I don't work. Like I don't do this. And especially after doing reimagine, cause I was always moving. I never sat still, mm. which helped me in my flow. Yep. But I, I couldn't do it. And so then I wasn't a great producer at times because I just couldn't sit there. So you're making me think of this, one of my visions or future projects hopefully is to design a space that is in alignment with creativity and flow and the feminine way of doing business because we do need to move and we do need to be connected and we need to be responding to each other and working in these different ways Mm -hmm. I'd love to um, switch the conversation a minute to a different way of working Mm. which I think um, we both care a lot of a about and we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. Um, are we still here? Yes, we're still here. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> hi everyone. <laughs> to ourselves. Here we are on so Zoom stupid. talking about how important this all is. Okay, so let's maybe talk a little bit about how we're doing our work. Yeah, as just a different model and an experiment. And so I think we both have understood inside of us and given voice to birthing, saying that we're going to birth a business that focuses on sacred feminine leadership, heart, soul, and earth aligned Mm -hmm. means that we have to be that. We have to actually go through the initiation Mm -hmm. to be that as we're bringing the business forward regularly, like always, like not one time. And you, you brought that up today. We were talking about having our periods and your, you know, and your literally your body is sending you through initiation yeah. every time. And right. I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're getting it. It's like through the pain of your body's response that you get to shed another mm-hmm. layer mm-hmm. and then reset. Mm-hmm. It's biological. So that's the way that we are set up to operate. So what does it look like to do that as a, woman leader. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of the things that have come up for us, which I think have been really interesting. Um, well, first of all, I think that your ability to hold the imagination and just hold that space longer, um, especially in the initial stages where we were brainstorming and getting images and talking to trees and, you know, bringing in different aspects of magnolias and like, you know, bringing sniffing them, yeah, (laughs) sniffing them, picking their seeds, like chomping um, on them, really like just allowing ourselves to have Mm multi-sensory access to creating a business and a brand, right. Mm -hmm. And just holding that space to me became an embodied thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm a magnolia. Yeah. And that was a really fun and I think very feminine way of working. Right. Mm-hmm. I like, I literally feel like the blossom. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's one of the things I noticed in your holding space. that was really special and felt particularly feminine to me. And that, it's interesting to hear you say that hasn't been honored in other contexts. No. Okay. And so part of the sacred feminine is like being able to honor the gifts and be in this place of wholeness, right. Creating space. And really like allowing the creativity to be there. Mm-hmm. What would you say have been some well, of the differences or some of the. 
It's really interesting to reflect on this for me because I have been processing with people, a, a group, I have a collective called Kid Opal, and we've been examining the way we work mm-hmm. and also worked with um, our mutual friend, Jess Remington on her campaign, Beloved Economies, which is all about changing the way we work. And it was really interesting working on that because it's mostly all women and, but women on a, on a book deadline in a timeline mm-hmm. that was really intense. And, you know, mm-hmm. something that came up quite a bit for me and, and after, and even before that has been, how do we reconcile what we're talking about? Like holding, giving ourselves the space to do things our unique way, which takes time in relationships to figure out, like you and I have a rapport, but now when you add in another person and another person Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to adapt, there isn't really like, it's not clear Mm -hmm. how to do that. And as someone who's been studying work and looking at HR practices Mm -hmm. and also studying nature and how does nature move in a regenerative way? And how do we align better with that? And how do we mm-hmm. operate like the myceliac, yes. like mycelium mycorrhizal, mm-hmm. which is keeping everything mm-hmm. alive and is constantly forming connections based on what it's sensing the needs are. So beautiful. But it is but beautiful. that is the feminine. It that is, is the way. It is, it's so but, native. But when we say a business, mm-hmm. that's already a pretty masculine structure. There's a structure there. So how do you meet those two things has been Well, I think challenge. we have to re-envision what a business is. So for me... A business is a vehicle for bringing my sacred work into the world. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's not what every business is, but that's what mine is. And so that allows a lot of flexibility and a lot of, I mean, this is a birthing process. There's nothing mm-hmm. more natural, right. Than a birthing process. And so a birthing process has, you know, waves, it has peaks, it has contractions, it has pauses, it has realignment, it has resourcing, it has guidance. It's got all this stuff happening all the time. It's very organic and responsive to what is happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, maybe that can happen because that's my vision for my business is to just yeah. be aligned with the natural world and the, the processes of the female body and, and the masculine and how those things come together in the sacred. Um, it's an interesting idea to think about how that gets replicated in other businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs the room when it gets replicated, it's like, we need to exchange the ideas and then people reapply what it looks like for them in their Mm -hmm. thing. Because that's, I think this is part of our reductionist mindset in the West is like, oh, I figured out a way to do it. All right. Now everyone copy and paste it. Well, that's not going to happen. And it can't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. I mean, that's the thing that keeps like blowing my mind about it is I'm trying to find almost like, what's the code? Like what's Mm -hmm. the, what's the origami code? The thing that you know, allows plants to continue to fold in these infinite ways. You could take one piece of paper and you can fold in infinite ways. What's the code to that? Mm-hmm. But like, but we've talked a little bit about, you know, how each person, and I think even each business has sort of a blueprint or a, a perfect way of unfolding, a perfect mm-hmm. set of intelligences that if we are aligned mm-hmm. and we're nourishing just like you do with a plant, right? Then it has its perfect unfolding. Yeah. Like there is a, the seeds have the code, right? Yeah. So, and I think we do too. It's and holding it, it loosely. Well, and also just remembering, like remembering hmm. that word about remembering, you know, what we're here to do and, and staying true. Yeah. And so for, I think for our work together, what has been interesting is like, we, are sh- we have shared vision and we've understood 
that to bring this forward, we have to be it. Yeah. And so neither one of us have been willing to engage with working on the business or the brand (laughs) if we weren't aligned. Yeah. And so that has been like, you know, me being like, I'm not there. I can't do this thing. I'm just not in the right space. And you being like, okay, interesting. Like I will come back. Right. You do. And you are being like, okay, I have two days where I have to do this other work and it's not aligned and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to step in because I understand I have to be in resonance with the work and myself. Mm -hmm. Like just that, just that as a concept, like anything that we're creating has the resonance of what it is created from. Yes. And so if we're putting something out in the world, then we need to be like organized and aligned and in and being congruent with that. And just that principle, I think is something to really explore. And of course it, I mean, it comes from trust. Like I know that you're going to come back and do the work. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's based on. That's what's so hard. I think about like for people who are already existing in these business structures that have had a way of working for so long. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's really hard. And I'm really curious how people are doing this to, to do what we're doing when something already exists in relationships and rapport already exist in a, a different way. But like for us, I think from building something together, like sure, it's your vision, but you're very much sharing it with me. And because you're sharing with me and you and I have similar vision of what we want for the world, it's not just yeah. how I can help my client because she's paying me. It's like, truthfully, I'm not going to be nearly as motivated by money personally, as I am for the bigger vision of what you're mm-hmm. trying to do. And because I am, then the, the money is icing on the cake. And obviously that's my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're honoring that, but there's it, it's building this, like, it's like, we're going into a dark room. We can't <laughs> see anything. And then you went in there first mm-hmm. and you're moving your hands around. You're like, okay, I'm sensing right here Mm -hmm. there's a tree trunk Mm -hmm. and then you're like put your hand over here and then I do and I'm like oh yeah I smell something over here Mm -hmm. and and then it's just kind of we're imagining what that is together and then we this is really tiring sometimes being in here let's go take a break (laughs) and that and then we go back in and we have and we both have found we're better in the mornings working together (laughs) and talking but we're on different time zones so it's like it's a lot of adapting that's why I think it like working in a, with a bigger group from the beginning is got to be a much harder thing to do. But I think kind of going back to all of life, everything comes back to a relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you can boil it Mm -hmm. down to Mm one-to-one and then from there, continually let it Mm. birth itself out Mm -hmm. Mm one-to-one. That's the mycelium. Yeah. (laughs) It's the hypheal connection. That wisdom, right? It's right there. And that doesn't, that doesn't sound good when you're thinking about scaling a business. Well, if that's the intention, maybe, maybe it morphs. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting with the question. um, And I guess this is what I've done is do we need to create a whole separate paradigm Mm -hmm. where we're doing what we're doing and we find other people who are doing and it it grows and there's Mm -hmm. just suddenly a network of completely different way of doing things. Right. So I think there's those of us who need to do it that way. And then people will step out and infuse themselves and go back in to mm-hmm. the system. And then yeah. there's other people who are like in this, but more in organizations trying to, and they're really 
trailblazing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's harder work in some ways. Absolutely. This is like creative and fun and different this and is easier exciting, that. but being in it and that's trying I mean. to hold the resonance of this in, in, I mean, for me, I'm not, I'm doing it one-on-one with people who are trying to do that to really resource them mm-hmm. so they can go do that work. Right. So I'm like the refueling center yeah. for, for people. And, you know, I think that's where I align, but hearing the stories of what it is like to truly implement this is, you know, they're really eye-opening and I'm hearing some really great stories. Mm. Yeah. People being able to do this by just, you know, focusing on themselves and focusing on being the thing and holding that within these organizations and their different roles, especially if they're in, you know, leadership positions, which, you know, we really need to change. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think now, now that I'm learning what I am and I'm trusting myself more is really the difference between now and when I was running reimagine. And now I think it, I would absolutely be able to navigate that scenario completely different Hmm. and be able to hold a space that I couldn't before. And I think for me, it's very, it feels um, encouraging to work in this sort of environment to like build my confidence up to Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm not, cause I, these are things that I naturally already felt like I'm not Mm -hmm. a nine to fiver. Right. But it's like, okay, it actually, like I, I, someone was talking about Tyler Perry's a commencement speech he gave, and I don't know anything. I'm just repeating someone's story about the story. But apparently he said that he had a, a young woman come to him and she was like, I'll work for you, but I can only work four hours a day. And I only work from these hours essentially because, and I will be, I will get as much done then as I would if I worked all day, mm-hmm. but this is my productive time. And because she knows that about herself. He respected it and talked about it in a commencement speech. Amazing. Yeah. And imagine if we so did that more people like that. That is sacred feminine leadership. Yeah. This is the way that my cycle works. This is when I have energy to give out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So there is change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's um, something else that I like to do that helps me. So I do struggle with depression. And a lot of the depression comes for me around a self-worth and, um, not feeling like I'm good enough or I can, I'm doing enough. And I think a lot of times it's the work that I really care about. I don't really see a path for it, you know, mm-hmm. like weed whacker. And so you're like, am I crazy right now? Like, I'm not like sure. Like, am I, did I, am I totally off here? Or is this okay? Mm-hmm. But, um, a lot of, when it happens, when I get depressed and it's a weekly thing that I struggle with, um, something that has helped me that I found, especially through the pandemic is going on skips. Yeah. I want to talk about skipping. Okay. This is what I think is the new running (laughs) because think about running. You're like timing yourself. I mean, no offense to runners. I used to be a runner, but now I skip just saying it's the best, but you're running towards something. And I think of it almost like we're running towards an outcome. And oftentimes we're running on sidewalks and streets that have already been laid out for us. But when you're skipping, (laughs) <laughs> and you have a really good playlist and you like the music and you only mm-hmm. skip to the songs when inspired, mm-hmm. then it becomes this dance. Mm-hmm. And I like to think I'm dancing now with the trees because mm-hmm. you notice a lot of sidewalks are ripped up. And I think that's because the nature is taking back its territory. Interesting. And so it's like, well, I can't run straight on these sidewalks anymore. Literally I'll trip and fall. So let me skip around it. Mm-hmm. But what I find is when I do that, even when I'm down, if I can get myself moving, is that 
the the act of moving my body in an upward motion or mm-hmm. in an unpredictable fashion, mm-hmm. it allows me to shake something mm-hmm. and to find a new way of connecting. Love that. And then it's just fun. And also people laugh at you and make fun of you, which mm-hmm. kind of encourages it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Every single guest has talked about some sort of embodied movement mm-hmm. as one of the important practices in connecting with the sacred feminine. Mm. Um, I've been learning about Budo. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah so yeah. Budo, and it's like a Japanese um, mm-hmm. dance form mm-hmm. and the lessons I've done are really fun and weird, but we'll take something like a piece of paper and then you crumple it in your ear and then you crumple it on the other side of your head and then you listen and then you become that sound mm-hmm. or you smell something and then you become that smell mm-hmm. and you start from being a corpse and then you you okay. think of your cells as transforming mm-hmm. into whatever that is. Amazing. And that also, I don't have words for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's kind of awesome. I'm like, I use words way too much. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I express myself without, mm-hmm. with just less? And you think about like our mediums we're using, like podcasts, <laughs> phones, everything is, our communication is mm-hmm. really dependent on speaking. Mm-hmm. But sacred feminine how much like you and I just sitting here in person there's so, so much ex- like exchange mm-hmm. communication that's mm-hmm. not being said right and what else can we communicate beyond well this? and that's why I'm so desiring to bring women together in person on land under the moon around the fire to get us back into our ceremonial state where we're relating in our bodies because mm-hmm. that's such an important part of the of sacred feminine what do right. you, what are you seeing with, cause you talk so much about initiation and mm-hmm. ceremony, which was very foreign to me until mm-hmm. I met you. Mm-hmm. Like I just I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Sounds cool. Mm-hmm. But w- what is, what is the importance that you're seeing and why do we need that? Mm, I think it's lacking around major change points in our lives, right? So what would it look like if a new mother was welcomed into a group of women of multi-ages? So they had the great-grandmother wisdom. They had other women, you know, sharing the same wisdom of having a newborn they could relate, right? They had mothers who had teenagers, right? And they sat together and made soup. Mm -hmm. And they just made their soup and their kids played. It's simple. Like ceremony and ritual is not this like elaborate put on your goddess dress. It's literally like come together, hold space, move through space, share wisdom, up level, get something delicious like a soup and go home. Like that's how I see ceremony. It's like bringing people together, weaving the threads, supporting one another. So we're not isolated. Mm. Right. And so the grandmother wisdom comes in like that Mm. for me is really important. I mean, I'm not a crone. I'm like in between. Right. But I feel like we have alienated this best source of wisdom that we have Mm. for getting through these times. So for me, it's like bringing in multi layers of wisdom and sitting together. Mm. Grandma holds your baby while you like, you know, hug a friend and get some support for how does the baby sleep through the night? And then somebody else starts brainstorming with you about a business idea on that. It's like really bringing in these organic threads that women share when they're in their bodies, Mm. when they're making food, right? When they're tending a garden when they're putting hay up, whatever it is, mm. right? That and I see it as a doing thing. I, I do see it as a doing. Like I love the idea 
So when my kids were little at the Waldorf school, everybody would bring in a vegetable and we would have a lesson and we would make bread together and we would each like do our vegetable. It would go into the soup. The kids would be playing. And at the end of the day, we had our mason jars of soup and bread and that was our dinner. Mm-hmm. And it was so perfect. That that right there to me is like perfection, right? So that's what I think about when I think about, you know, creating community, sharing, sharing wisdom is really important to me, mm-hmm. right? We all need it. We all need that person who's gone a little bit further and we all need to be the one who gives the wisdom back to the one who's coming behind us. Mm-hmm. Like that's critical in terms of being human. It just feels so hard to access that now. I know, you know it's like, missing. Yeah, it's completely missing. And I mean, when I'm with people, I'm usually with people my same age, right? You know, and I don't get exposed to many people from different ages. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel that, like, I forget that that's a thing, right? Until I'm around my grandma, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, Grandma, Grandma wisdom. I mean, yeah. talk about sacred feminine leadership. Mm-hmm. Look at what we've done to our leaders. The mm-hmm. sacred feminine leaders are sitting in nursing homes. Yep, and you know. Ugh. I, I feel really strongly that returning the grandmother wisdom is part of how we heal the earth. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of my like heart desires is to have circles with multi ages. Right. Oh, I, love I know. That. I know. I mean, like I have these clients that I want to hook up the 70 year old woman who was a DA in Oakland, who knows so much single mother, African-American, right. She has got, I just want her to like talk to everybody. I know, <laughs> but you know what she has, she doesn't have a platform. She's going to do a podcast, Mm, right? She's going to do a podcast. But if she could talk to other single moms who are just starting their journey, right. And are trying to have careers and take care of their children, they would be amazing for both of them, Mm. right. That exchange. So that's really like at the heart of what I, you know, and then there's of course, like the different um, initiatory moments for women that we go through, like through our biology, our first period, the first time we have sex, uh, if we decide to do like sacred union, um, menopause, death, like all of those major initiatory moments, we don't have anything for them. I just never framed it like that. I never thought about any of this as an initiatory moment. So what that means is moving into the next version of who you are and the next version, the next level of power that you're going to hold. So if you miss an initiation, you're, you're going forward without what you need to meet the other initiations. Mm. And that can start at your birth. But where I have experienced it, because I work with teenagers too, is they don't have a, a sense of their first menses being sacred. There's no sense. I mean, they're just like, here's a tampon, go to the room. Same. So, right. Yeah. And so it does, there's no power in it and there's no mm-hmm. witnessing. So the community aspect, I think, is something that needs to come in. There was a lot of shame for me around that. Okay. So you need first. to do a retrieval to that time, huh. like there's tools, right? Shamanic tools hmm. to go back to these initiatory moments and reclaim what you didn't get. Okay. So, so I'm sure you're like, I'm going to do yeah, that. I do <laughs> also. So what, what, what would that look like? Um, okay. So let's say we wanted to look at your life and look at your initiations and I'm giving you the big ones. There's other ones that, you know, happen every month and every day, hmm. right? Where you're saying, who am I? And initiating yourself into the next level of power. Right. So I'm just giving some big biological initiations. So um, let's say we wanted to like review your birth and look at like, okay, did the power go to a doctor? Did your mom have power? You know, and we can look at what got set up at birth. Okay. And we would Mm want to heal that. Okay. I guess we chills right in my boob area. 
Does that mean anything? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Good. Okay. So if we are working in a session right now, we would actually look at that. What is your body telling you? Mm. And how, what have we traveled into that sensation mm. and went to the source of that? Even we don't have to know what it means to heal it. We don't have to know if it happened at your birth or another lifetime or yesterday, right? We just work with the sensation and what the body is doing right now. Mm. Okay. So if we are doing session work, we'd be connected to a higher source of wisdom, guidance, support. That could be a river. It could be Jesus. It could be the goddess. It could be your grandmother. It could be anything, right? And we work with that source of guidance to go to where the disruption happened and do a repair in the nervous system of that. Mm -hmm. And then we pull it forward and we go to the next initiation. So looking at your first period, what happened there? right? Was there any empowerment or did it go to, did it fall into the room flat? Right. And we would go and we would gather that up. Mm. Okay. First time you had sex, that's a big one, right? Where women lose a lot of power. Right. So we will look at that. Whoa. You know, it, I know it's big. I mean, all these Sacred moments, unions, marriage. Yeah. I, I feel like I just totally downplayed them. Like I, I was embarrassed by my, most of these times in my life. I don't know that I've met a client that had intact initiatory moments mm. in this culture. And so that's part of like what we're talking about to be a full sacred leader, you need to have intact initiations. And so that's the work that we're going to be doing right in Magnolia leadership. Mm. And so when you try to move a woman into her full power, you have to look at all the places where she's lost power in historically, Ugh. right? Yeah. And also you have to look at where she's lost soul parts. Mm. So losing power is sort of like a deflating balloon, but soul parts are like when we have trauma and we get stuck in those moments. And so we have to do all the soul retrieval work. Wow. And we also have to look at energetic interferences, different things that have disrupted her soul's mission and remove those. That's just one lens. We're just talking about a shamanic lens. There's many ways to understand mm. and heal and step into our power as women mm. but this is a really powerful one well yeah. even even just hearing you talk about and name those parts in us I mean because I well because immediately when you say these different time periods I'm thinking and I'm feeling like oh I remember when I started my period and a thoughts came into my mind of what I thought back then mm -hmm. and like you just saying that feels like a relief to me right. to even name it because to even be kind to that time. Right. To love know, that like, person. Like you're, mm -hmm. and you did, there was one time in a session with you where you helped me um, work through some trauma that I didn't recognize as trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and it was something was coming up today of like my struggle with being, I'm the oldest in my family and my parents are going through a divorce and I was, this is recently, and then I was trying to like, make sure everyone was okay. And then you helped me realize that in fifth grade, you like brought me to a time and I was standing in between my parents fighting. And I felt mm -hmm. like I had to like ease all of that and kind of be this neutralizer. But then I realized in that moment that I thought I was the source of their problems and that I was the reason why they were fighting. And then you, you said something <laughs> that triggered that I never will forget. And now I, I try to talk to her. You asked me to call on a, a guide or my higher self, which I never didn't know what that was at the time. 
this was like a year you ago. Went with it. I went with it because I like to imagine things. And I was like, oh, what does this person look like? And, it, and the guide was, I saw myself and I looked like mm-hmm. my grandma, mm-hmm. but it was just me older. Mm-hmm. And she was like, future self. Yeah, future self and higher self. And she, and you, I don't remember what you said, but basically she helped me pause that moment. So it was like a freeze frame in between my parents. And then she said, you can come out of this. Mm-hmm. And then she reached for me and then I crawled out and then I entered into a whole new paradigm mm-hmm. of just all energy. And I started crawling through like Alice in a wonderland mm-hmm. and realizing that's who I am. I'm this curious kid, mm-hmm. but it was, it was, so that was that- a full retrieval. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got a part of you that was stuck in another time. It wasn't with you and we brought her back. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, I remember that. Yeah. So we have multiple ways of relating. I think we could talk about that too, because mm. you just brought it up. So we've been, <laughs> you've been a client. We're working yeah. together. I've worked with you and your partner. Like there's, mm-hmm. and so that also is something that um, I think the sacred feminine asks us to do is to be, be in wholeness. Yeah. And it's why that I, I, I do work with people in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Like I will work with an entire family system because to heal in a holistic way is the sacred feminine way. Yeah. So you have to work with mom, dad, couple kids, right? The whole system. And then sometimes it's okay to have these multiple relationships, which are really frowned on. And, you know, I got in trouble a lot in graduate school because I wanted to work this way. Right. I saw this as holistic mm-hmm. and like what you just shared. And then we can have a moment like this where we can reflect and then share that with others, right? That's Mm -hmm. holistic. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, well, your client work. I mean, for clients who don't want to do this, that's fine. This is unique. Yeah. Right. But we're creating something different where there can be like multiple reflections. Yeah. Right. And And if it, and if it doesn't work at some point, then you alter and you change that totally. But instead of preparing for it not to work because other people, it hasn't worked in the past for maybe other people or for us or whatever, that's not really a way to to exist. Right. Like I don't want to be always thinking about the outcome. Well, this gets to your, oh, that's okay. Let's talk about that. Then maybe that can be our last topic. Okay. Okay. Because we can, uh, we can keep going. How long are we going? An hour. Yeah. So you've mentioned outcomes a lot Mm -hmm. and how our relationship to outcomes, what I understand it is like, can really influence the creation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So can you talk about that from a sacred feminine lens and what, what we can do there to, Well, okay. So I was reading about McLuhan. He was like a, I don't know what his title was, but he was back in the fifties and sixties. And he wrote a phrase that people talk a lot about now. It's called the medium is the message. And so whatever mediums, like right now we're using zoom and our phones to record this, it forces a direction. So we're co-creating with these mediums right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think a Hmm. lot about that, like what am, what am I repeating? What processes am I repeating? What systems am I repeating just because someone else has already had an imprint or a lot of people are using social media. This is how you use it. So I'm supposed to just keep repeating Mm. that. And it's taken and I'm still, I'm constantly reflecting on the unlearning and realizing like, wait, I'm just, I don't want to repeat how other people are processing things. And the reason why I said I point out the outcomes a lot is because I was listening to Tyson Yucaporta. Um, he wrote a book called Sand Talk, 
that I really liked. And it's from an Aborigines perspective and he shares it with Westerners, which was really cool of him, but I'm sure not easy to do because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of really sacred ancient knowledge that he's mm-hmm. passing on in a very vulnerable way mm-hmm. by putting it to a book where he gets no feedback, you know, and people mm-hmm. can project and create whatever they want or assume or distill something into a meme, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but what he talks a lot about is through the, his, the process in his community is that when you have something that you're working on and you want to bring it to the community, you don't just create an isolation and bring it. You don't just say, I'm going to do this for the community. And here it is. It's, you have to go through a process, all process. And at some point in that process, when it's going to affect the community, you have to get feedback from the community and from the elders. And they might say, no, like this is not good. Or you didn't think about this and they might not even share that much information with you. And you have to trust that Mm. knowledge. And so the process takes longer. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that very much resonates with me because I'm like, when I read about just some of the stuff that indigenous people are willing to share with Westerners, it makes so much more intuitive sense to Mm -hmm. me that you're thinking much more holistically and dynamically. And you're looking at the in-between spaces because those are still spaces. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it's not just a linear path. And I can't think linear. Like my body, I can't even walk in a straight line. I probably would get clocked for being drunk all the time because I can't walk straight. It's like, there are some things that like some people, like we were talking about dyslexia. Mm -hmm. It's not natural to try to force ourselves into doing things in a consistent sort of prototype that someone else is doing. It's not a dysfunction. No, and it it doesn't mean you're stupid or, or, wrong. And that's what I did think for so long. I'm Mm -hmm. like, there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. that I don't, I have a hard time in a computer. Oh, I'm just not smart. Mm -hmm. No, it's because I don't, I process information really differently and Mm -hmm. in a more holistic, I would say in a more holistic point of view. So I think you brought up something that is really interesting around the medium. Because I've been thinking a lot about how the policies or what gets play on social media is now um, sort of forming the way that we um, engage or hold our minds. I think this summer I was in this group and we were working on our social media and it was like, you need to do 30 second reels because that's what's getting played. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you know, we've gone, and for me, it's really hard because my message isn't really a 30 second message, right? That's why this podcast is exciting to me um, because I do value conversation. But I was thinking about how I used to write every Sunday, a very like in-depth, long blog article for my clients and right, they would read them and they would come into session and they would say all this and that. And then over time I noticed, oh, nobody's reading it. They're reading one paragraph, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's not one paragraph, right? It's like they could read a little square Mm -hmm. on Instagram Mm -hmm. and then that is what they could bring in. And that was all being dictated by social media. And now it's like we can do a 30 second video and that's what people can receive. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like the the receptivity, like what we are tuning ourselves to and aligning to is this teeny little 
blurb and I am supposed to get through sacred technologies. Mm. And it's just, yeah, I just have thought about how that one bit of information, like you only should do a 30 second reel mm-hmm. and me trying to fit myself into that and just mm-hmm. be like, hi, I mean, that's about all I have time to do. Right. And just yeah. like really focusing on the resonance and what I'm holding there, but we need connection. Mm-hmm. We need depth. We need feedback. And how do we do that? And also, yeah. I mean, I'm not against these. I have fun on Instagram. Yeah. Like I'm not against it. I, I actually really enjoy it. Um, so how do we use these tools wisely? And how do we just like at least acknowledge the power that they have to like shape our engagement? Yeah. I think it's such an important conversation, especially yeah. if we like value something like embodied transmission and wisdom sharing. Like mm-hmm. what does that look like when? Yeah. This is what's the challenge of working with you on this rebrand, because I have looked at the science and the effects of content and, you know, how it's short, short form content, which we're getting shorter and shorter. You're totally right. right, Is rewiring our brains for empathy too. Mm -hmm. So like, um, there is a study that was done a few years ago that showed, um, that short form content. Uh, the more we consume of like police brutality, the more we have to see of it in order to have empathy for the situation, because you see one video and then it's short. Mm-hmm. You don't have time to process it when you mm-hmm. go through more short content. So to keep going back and like shocking your system, you need mm-hmm. the shock in order to try to retain it. And it still doesn't seep in as long. Mm-hmm. And that is really scary because obviously there's a lot of reasons why it's scary, but we need to be aware and going back to Magnolia leadership, like if we're aligned with and listening to our bodies and, you know, it feels like too much. It feels mm-hmm. like, like I had a friend, she wanted me to learn about, you know, something happening overseas that was like, I really care about. And I know she really cares about, but I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't look at what she sent me. And I told her, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> and it was just because I'm not going to be able to be present for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the space in myself to mm-hmm. do it. But when you are constant access through text mm. and messages and people at any time can send you messages, what are we doing to our body? So it comes back to me deciding, am I going to put my attention here? Right. Because where, where I put my attention is what I'm now co-creating. With. Absolutely. And then that changes me no matter what. I change it and it changes me. Okay. I want to introduce another topic, even though we said that with our last one, because I think it's kind of fun which, and I've been kind of a student of for myself and my clients is dating apps. Mm. Okay. What I have seen is fascinating to me because it's creating this world where people think they're having relationships (laughs) because they're on dating apps Mm -hmm. and they've been texting each other for three months or whatever. And they've never met in person, but they're having a relationship. Yeah. Right. And then suddenly they meet and maybe they have a great time or whatever, but then the ghosting thing happens and ghosting is real. Mm-hmm. I've had it happen <laughs> and, and I'm pretty thick skinned. So I'm just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've had clients who have been completely triggered into their attachment wounding because of ghosting. It's so, so I've been studying ghosting because mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting what enables someone and it's the technology because mm-hmm. there's no real sense of, I am responsible to you as a person yeah. because I can just say, no. Yep. And that's it. We're done. Yeah. And I don't ever have to be responsible for my actions. So it's like the technology is enabling this like lack of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I always advise my clients who are dating, 
get the date as quick as you can. Like yeah. don't do three months. Of t- just yeah. go on a date if you can, because it makes it real. You either like the person or you don't, Yeah. but you haven't developed a relationship. And then you go and you find out like, actually that person doesn't smell good to me. Mm-hmm. And now like they're ghosting. So it's this right. whole like fascinating world to me about where technology is impacting our relationship and that's very and our sense of responsibility to each other yeah you're told I mean I've become a flake in certain regards online and that's why I was also like I don't want to be online um even though I have to help people with it mm-hmm. I'm trying to help them become less reliant on right. it because I think there's like we still have to work with these things but how do we move away from that and more into real holistic connection yeah. and also I think a big part of that is a disconnection from the land. Right. So when you like move in a digital space and your imagination exists in a digital space, so you're imagining Mm -hmm. what it's like to meet with the sky and what it could be like, and you're not actually physically connected to the land. Right. Where, where are you? Like, that's why embodied is so important. Yeah. Like embodied. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle, he talks about this. He was like, there's a virtual reality now, which is a different type of reality. We have like mm-hmm. our our physical reality, virtual reality, and then what else did he say? Was the other? There's some other mm-hmm. reality, but but that it's another it's another dimension that we're having to hold space for, mm-hmm. and that dimension specifically is asking us. It's asking a lot of us. Yes. It's a lot of our energy. It is. I see it as like an energy suck into this like. Mm-hmm. Um, energy that just eats itself it so part of it is being intentional back. yeah right around and realizing like you, it yeah just recognizing it right. what is it doing to you mm-hmm. yeah but people like I'm having this conversation with people but people are like including myself at times not changing anything I feel it as pressure in my body yeah. like suddenly I'm like oh what's all this pressure I'm like oh right I've been doing this yeah right oh let's take a bath or let's go outside or yeah. you know it's like yeah oh this pressure yeah even my grandma talk about like wisdom my grandma is so wise and I've noticed like over the last probably seven or eight years Facebook has changed her she just mm-hmm. like she'll compare herself more like to her yeah. old friend from high school and stuff and mm-hmm. and like what she's doing with her grandkids and what and my grandma's not like mm-hmm. and it's all about being seen more so I'm like what are we taking from her you know what's really interesting I think is looking at different people's choices like that like she's chosen to be a part of that community and what's happening mm-hmm. as a result of that both of my boys who are 17 and 21 have chosen to have no media I mean, cool. I think one of them uses Snapchat um, or they might both use a little bit of Snapchat, but they're not doing Instagram, Facebook, none of that stuff um, because it's, you know, they were race Waldorf. So they didn't have a lot of that early on. And they were just like, I want to surf. I want to be out. I want to mm-hmm. hang out with my friend. Like, I don't want to be on this thing. And they also like have issues with the corporations that run them and what they're really doing with the awesome. data. Right. Yeah. But it's like, they're outsiders. Yeah. They're really outsiders because of that decision. And it's like, there's, there's no right way or wrong way, yeah. but to be, to take, that's another way is to say, I'm not participating, which is a pretty huge statement for a teenager, right. Mm-hmm. In that way yeah. of doing it. And so, um, you know, what happens with those people who choose to opt out of the system, right? Well, even my friend, he just started dating and he's back on the dating apps mm-hmm. and he's not on social media right now. And he's finding women are just like straight up. If you don't send me your Instagram or you don't have one, I don't think I can trust you because oh, I don't have so a sense of who you are. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
That's an, I haven't heard that one. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to have to wrap up our okay. multi-level conversation. Yeah, Anything right. that you want to share, like as a last, it's Colonel, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to a woman watching this who is like starting to play with sacred feminine and wondering how to embody that in her life and is listening mm-hmm. to this podcast and, you know, it start, feels a resonance, but maybe yeah. is a little afraid. What, what I, would you say? I think that it's so, why not? Like, why not just explore? Like I have faith in you that you have seen and experienced things in the supernatural and in, in the world and spiritually that I, I have a desire to, you know, Mm -hmm. and and like, I just haven't in my world, none of that's normal in my Mm -hmm. world that that is something too weird, but Mm -hmm. I have this longing for it. And it's like, if you have that, if you have that inkling, mm-hmm. why not just be open? Okay. Well, what if this stuff can happen? So you're like, saying what just if? take a step towards it. Yeah. And just see. Mm-hmm. And also, especially if you're kind of sad, like depressed, <laughs> which I am a lot. And, and when I am, it's usually because I'm disconnected. Yeah. I'm disconnected yeah. and I'm lacking an openness or a faith. Mm-hmm. So how do people higher. find you? If they want they to know about <laughs> right now, they can't. I mean, I have an email, but I don't share my social because I don't have any. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if people want to know more about your work, they'll, they'll find nothing. I just deleted my LinkedIn. Oh, I don't subscribe okay. to LinkedIn. Right. Okay. So maybe they'll um, find you through Magnolia Leadership. I have my, yeah, <laughs> they, you can email me. It's um my first initial and my last name, S-S-P-I-C-C-I-A at gmail.com. Okay, great. Old fashioned yeah. email. Yeah. Email, yes, is I, now, email is now old fashioned. It It is, but it's, it, I, what I like about it is it slows things down. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Good yeah. And also I'm not, I don't always answer emails. Okay. You know what I mean? Good to know. <laughs> That's what I tell, I warn all my friends. I'm not responding on text for two we're, weeks. We're done. Woo. Ancient voices spill the That's it for this episode of Magnolia Leadership Podcast. Having you here is such a blessing. As a Magnolia woman, we are leading from our deep aligned power to bring our full bloom to ourselves and our gifts to the world. If you're inspired by this podcast, I invite you to share it with someone or leave a review. Sign up for our newsletter or one of Magnolia Leadership's upcoming in-person or online offerings at magnolialeadershipco.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, so much love to you.